Hello and welcome to the Microsoft Channel Discussions podcast, uh, sponsored by TD Cinex. My name is Phil Clark. I'm an independent IT consultant, helping TD Cinex and its customers understand what's going on in the Microsoft world, um, particularly focused on channel content, products, strategy, etc., and try and give them a bit of a steer as to, to what they should be doing to engage with Microsoft correctly. Today, I'm joined by Tim Russell, who's one of the cloud solution architects from Microsoft. Hi, Tim. You're right. Hi. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Phil. Excellent. So. Same format as most of the other podcasts. We've been doing these for a few months now. Um, we're we're going to talk through some of the specifics around actually what was announced at Ignite. And before we do that, Tim, do you want to just give a little bit of background about your role at Microsoft and, and how you got to where you are? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Phil. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and uh, to TD Cinex and the listeners. Uh, so hello to you one and all. My name is Tim Russell. As Phil said, I work at Microsoft as a cloud solution architect, but my background is give or take 30 years in telecommunications from hang it on the wall, traditional PBXs, all the way through the Nortel Meridians, for those that know it. Uh, I've worked on Cisco, some of the largest contact center and uh, telephony installations in Europe. And I've brought myself full circle from working at the likes of BT, Vodafone, KCOM, names we all know, to now sit at the vendor level at Microsoft and hopefully bring some of that partner information and, and real world field knowledge into what I bring with the conversations and the work I do here at Microsoft supporting our partners. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. And I think I mean, it's interesting, actually, because Microsoft, as you probably are aware, you know, not historically known as a sort of telecoms related thing but you obviously were attracted there because of their growing product range around that sort of uc space which we've had a few conversations about before i mean is there anything particularly you're sort of been interested or impressed with about the way microsoft are dealing with the uc world i i think there's um it, it's been a learning curve if we go back to i think about 2001 2002 when the first um sort of microsoft foray into into unified communications as it was known then they were very much about quality of experience. And what's good to see is they've adapted quality of service, but kept to the quality of experience. But over the last couple of years, with the changes we've seen that's driven by environmental changes and, and the ways of working, we've seen a massive increase in the, dare I call it, and don't quote me on this, PBX capability that Teams has. Now we're at a point of parity where I feel almost any situation where customers are still running legacy or on-premise equipment can be covered with a slight business adjustment and an adaption of Teams capability. So I think they've done a really good job there. And the further we go down that route, the, the more complex we realize telephony is. And a lot of people take for granted it's just a telephone number. It's a hell of a lot more than that. But you don't have to understand it all to be able to implement and deliver it. And I think Microsoft's done a good job of getting that message right. Yeah, and that combined with sort of Teams being pretty ubiquitous now off the back of Microsoft 365, I mean, it, it's it's going gangbusters, which is quite interesting. And, and you know, for those listeners who are listening and who are keen to get involved in the sort of voice aspects of things, um, TD Cinex offers some really good ed education uh, around you know, how to engage Teams and, and the calling plans, etc. So if you are interested in that, do get in touch at csp.uk at tdcinex.com, little plug for some content there. Um, but, uh, you know, primary reason why we've got Tim on is to talk about some of the uh, recent announcements at Ignite around Teams. And, you know, Ignite, obviously, big Microsoft conference uh, a few months ago, um, and really good summary of what happened at Ignite in the Ignite book of news. So if you guys want to get a bit of a summary, Google Ignite book of news, and it'll tell you what's going on there. But for Teams specifically, I mean, you know, quite a lot was announced at Ignite for Teams, wasn't it, Tim? Is there anything specific you 
were particularly interested in or, or, or well yeah there's <laughs> there, there, there's stuff outside my comfort area and uh, i like to use bing personally by the way as a search engine and find it works far more oh, better sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no joking aside um yeah so if i look up the book of news which is a great repository for collecting all of the stuff that came there is there is everything yeah we've seen the avatars we've seen teams premium we've seen teams uh teams phone mobile we've obviously i appreciate we've renamed it i think it's to step away from the operator connect name we had before we look at microsoft places um and we look at some of the capability that's coming within when we break down to those features there is a real massive amount of exciting stuff and if we look at the capabilities that were released i think over the last 18 months we've released somewhere in the region of 800 features into the microsoft teams environment um and i'm, I'm taking a quote from about six months ago which was we'd released 300 and we had 400 on the roadmap i am even personally struggling to keep on top on everything that's coming up because there's just so much coming and then we look at the lights of ignite which gives us a very much a clear view of the next 12 months what's coming what's about to land and we look at stuff that was announced there that's hitting um that's hitting clients this month is already you know we've got the screen pop on inbound psn calls that's launched in teams uh this month already creating a lot of noise and excitement about how this can be positioned within customer environments it's not full-blown contact center but these features are all leading to a really, really productive conversation with customers. Yeah, and I suppose you've got the advantage because you've got internal copies of software that's coming out before most people, so you see what the sort of functionality is like. And you know, quite a lot of us would like to get our hands on some of those sort of things. So you're a very lucky fella. But, but I mean, one of the sort of specific ones that you know we were focused on as part of some content we were doing over the last few weeks is, is the avatar point. Mm. Um, and there was quite a lot of fanfare around a bit of a partnership with Meta and. and you know, how teams could integrate with Quest 2 headsets and all, all the sort of um, broader discussion around Metaverse. I mean, there's quite a lot of cynicism in the in the channel about Metaverse and Meta and, and, and the Avatar point. I mean, do, do you see that as particularly strategic or a bit gimmicky? What's your sort of personal view? I, I'd see, you've you got to remember where Microsoft comes from, and this is one of the things that drew me to Microsoft. Stepping away from Avatar and Microsoft concept, is a very, very strong internal drive. And we push this to the outside world and we look to our partners to buy up to this as well. It's about inclusion, accessibility, and diversity. Now, an avatar is one of those things that truly addresses accessibility and inclusivity. We have to look at, and I don't like mention it, but we look at the pandemic and how things change. People are being employed no longer on catchment area, but time zones. We used to look at organizations being able to pull people in who worked within an hour of the office. Hybrid working and Teams has allowed people to work anywhere in the same time zone. We don't care where you are. But it's also allowed those who were previously disadvantaged in physically getting to an office to be able to become part of that workforce. They're also the people who have not always been able to present themselves physically on camera. An avatar allows people to present themselves when they're in a situation or they're an individual who would not necessarily present themselves on camera, allows them to take an equal footing. And if you're in a meeting with avatars, People who present an avatar, it's not a video. I completely understand that, but it's a level up from a static image and they can provide physical reactions to things that are said. You can wave, you can do the heart shape. You, you can do what you want within reason that gives a level of interaction to your audience that literally lifts up that level of inclusivity and accessibility. And I understand and I've heard myself People think, well, it's a gimmick. Where's the place for this? Uh, are we going to the Ready Player One world? No, I don't think that's where we're going. 
but I do think it allows for that inclusivity. And I do see a very generational gap in how people respond. Uh, there are those ready to adapt and those who are not quite sure this has got a place in the market yet. I find it is very useful and I've created and curated content that I've shared to LinkedIn where I've used both an avatar and real person perspective throughout the presentation. And when you realize how it can be used, it, it, it levels the playing field. It's not a gimmick. It has a very real purpose, not just in the, in, in the private world, but also in the business world. I see it, an opportunity for this to really grow and create an opportunity. And then just stepping onto the, you, you mentioned about the, the mesh integration. I can't really mention much about that because I don't have any secret information. But what I do know is AR, augmented reality, really does have a place and i've seen this utilized both in, in in retail and in manufacturing but what we've done is by partnering with a, a hardware provider in the form of meta it's it's made the stepping a little bit lower than going to the full-blown halo lens which is what microsoft was previously positioning so although it's still not a cheap device and it doesn't matter where you go you know, devices pretty much aren't cheap and i think phil we were talking about this before the call there is an opportunity for people to get into this and then for ISVs to start looking at abilities to develop software to drive and utilize augmented reality to increase onboarding to address accessibility issues that we're seeing in the hybrid world to create inclusivity I think it's a time where we're going to see that grow it's not going to hockey stick I think not immediately but it is going to grow and we're going to find use cases that are just going to strengthen its positioning in the market yeah that's really interesting with the accessibility point isn't one that I'd thought of in fairness. You know, I've worked on clients who really don't want to put their camera on on a Teams call. And it makes a lot of sense that, you know, like you say, one step up from seeing a person. But yeah, as long as the facial recognition and the, and the, the um, uh, rec recognizing what, uh, I can't think of the words, but, you know, the, when you're raising your eyebrows, it, it comes across on the avatar. I think that's quite a key, like I say, step forward, but not sufficiently that people are feeling like they're, they're space has been invaded by a, by a video camera which is you know, genuinely a concern for quite a lot of people i think on, on the meta side of things it, it, you sort of it's quite interesting what you just said actually i'm going to pick up on it a little bit you sort of refer to them as a hardware provider and i, I wouldn't really see meta as a hardware provider. is that the way you know you can't speak on behalf of the corporation obviously but but is that is that, that the way they're perceived it, it, yeah if you look at um, th there's two partnerships in this. What I, the biggest benefit I personally saw come out of that was a hardware partnership, because if you look at Meta, they have their Horizon meeting rooms, and they said, well, you're going to be able to join a Teams room from a Horizon meeting room. Net benefit to us is it's still Teams meeting, it's still augmented or virtual reality. I didn't see the real benefit there. I saw the hardware and the ubiquitous availability of the, I think it's the Oculus Quest Pro hardware, that would be supported in the Teams environment was for me personally, oh, well, that's amazing because I'm not interested in going out and joining an Horizon meeting room. I've already got Teams meeting rooms, obviously from my employee perspective, but also if I was in that team space. But what if I wanted to go to the next level? What if I wanted virtualized desktop? I want to replace my screens and have a virtualized desktop, but I want to do that within the Windows 365 environment or I want to do this within Windows Virtual Desktop. That's where I saw the benefit. And again, I'm not quoting these as capabilities that Microsoft's going to deliver tomorrow, next week, next year. It's what I see as a potential roadmap for the use of this hardware coupled with the whole Windows 365, Office 365 environment, the Windows Virtual Desktop. I see a real potential there to utilize this hardware to create a new potentially cost-saving environment. And, and just to give you an example of where I see this, and again, this is my perspective of what the future will look like, is if you sit at home where I am at the minute with multiple screens, 
the comfort of my desk, but I go into the office and I end up crouched over a 10 inch laptop screen. Now, if I was to turn that into a virtual environment, I could take my post-its notes, my screen, all of that with me without physically having to carry those screens around. It becomes a virtual environment that is also potentially location aware. Now, I'm just putting this out as a concept, but you build on that as an ISV. You take the hardware, you take the support of the software vendors, you know, the Windows 365, the Windows 11, Windows Virtual Desktop. You take that and you start creating a virtual desktop capability. I think we already have um, to a degree available. You start making it easier to work literally in that anytime, anyplace, anywhere model because you take your workplace with you in the form of a virtual goggle. And for me, that was really exciting. And that's not something we positioned or sold, but it's something you can extrapolate from the potential of having a virtual goggle connected to the likes of a Windows platform. Well, it's only a small step further to develop something to do this. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. So my boys got Quest 2s for their Christmas presents last year. And obviously the first thing I did, being a bit of a geek, is got Horizon Workspaces going and, and did exactly what you just described, you know, a virtual desktop. But it's a gimmick because I use a Windows desktop by default. So actually the natural next step is to go from, a, a, as you say, a piece of hardware to Windows Virtual Desktop with all the appropriate retention of that desktop as you move from place to place. I mean, it, it actually is quite a game changer, isn't it, in that regard? And, and I think realistically, if... if you know, again, maybe a bit controversial here. If Meta thought strategically people were going to ditch their Windows desktops and go full fat Horizon workspaces on their Oculus, that probably wasn't going to happen. But going the other way, where most people are used to the user experience of a Windows de desktop environment, actually makes a lot of sense. And it could be quite interesting. And from, and from a channel perspective, I suppose the key question is, how should we? how should the channel respond? Because I think a lot of people saw Quest 2 and, and, and the meta announcements as a bit gimmicky, a bit metaverse, a bit Ready Player One. You know, do you think channel partners should start understanding how they can potentially be reselling hardware you know, in, in the VR space from a meta perspective or you know, make sure they're tuned into the announcements as they come? I don't know, if you're a channel partner now, what would you do? I, I think the first step isn't necessarily to position the hardware. The first per step is to make the use of an avatar acceptable. And I think this comes back to the first point you were making, Phil, you know, the gimmicky bit. Realize that there's a place and a reason for the avatar. And you, you said it yourself. Is, well, I didn't think of that perspective. And I think that's one of the things we face. It's making, making a new form of technology acceptable is the very first step. And it's a zero cost. You know, if you're a partner and you're talking to someone about avatars, build up the reason why, build up the positive, build up the inclusivity. Build up the fact that you can put on an avatar while you're driving a car to join a call rather than be the audio background joining on hands-free only. Think about that capability. Um, doesn't work from a Teams client on a mobile phone at the minute. I'll just put that caveat out there. <laughs> However, yeah, there are situations and positions. And I think creating a normality where an avatar is an acceptable form of representation in a meeting environment, I think that's the first step. Because when we get past this 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 change acceptance of it's not a gimmick it actually has a real place in the workplace we then move on to the rest and they become to a certain extent a self-fulfilling prophecy because mm -hmm. people have accepted the avatar level now let's move on to adapting technology that utilizes both real world and augmented and virtual reality to create a better workplace and in reality i mean people adjust very quickly to this sort of thing anyway i mean just basic things like the emoji you know instead yeah. of saying i really like that clicking a heart People get used to it. People are now starting to re-engage with these sorts of uh, platforms. The avatar mm. point, you know, should be 
a fairly easy thing to consume because we are just like I say second nature people just expect it i'd quite like to see if they were driving a car i'd like to see the avatar with his little hands in front of <laughs> yeah, it. yeah yeah that would be an yeah. interesting yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting times. I mean, in terms of sort of broader teams' capabilities, and you know, clearly you can't do any pre-announcement stuff. But you know, I, I mean, what are the things on roadmap that you are most excited about that have been announced? You know, the other things that came up in um, yeah. that, that sorry, ignite that you you might want to talk about. Um, I, I think under Teams Premium, there's some really interesting stuff. There's some high-end capability that's coming into meeting capabilities. Now, at the minute, we run Teams meetings. You click webinar, your Teams meeting, live meeting, and they were very secular. This is it. This is it. This is it. But we've realized, I believe, that there's a requirement to create more ability to professionalize your presentation in a virtual environment. And this is something we've all realized. You know, our video persona has to reflect professionality and, and who we are. We used to walk into a room and it'd be based on our clothing, our tie, our address, our attire, how we turned up, what car we parked in the car park even in some situations. But now it's about how we represent ourselves in that three inch squared box on a screen. And if you're presenting that three inch box to 10,000 people in a webinar, you want that to be the top echelon of possibilities, capabilities, looks and feels. And this is where I think Teams Premium comes in. It's, it's creating green rooms, it's creating capabilities that will allow you as a presenter to, to to make the best of your presentation time to your partners and also an investment in in the people who have come to watch what you have to say and i think that's one of the ones that's really interesting teams premium there's are other features as well but the ones that i think are really going to be top level are about professionalizing your presentation in in teams meetings and teams events that is definitely one that i think's up there um there is some other features that are on nda that i'm not going to talk about but are definitely on the roadmap to come on the back of this that I think are going to make a massive difference to the utilization of Teams meetings capabilities. Um, and so just de keep an eye out for those over the next six to 12 months. There's, there's some real, real amazing stuff coming there. I mean, one of the other ones I noticed, um, which I'm sort of personally interested in because I quite like the sort of natural language stuff in, in AI, is, you know, live transcript, you know, 40 languages yep. that are now covered uh, for, for Teams. Um, I mean, it's been sort of around for a while, so it's, it's nothing particularly new. But but it's always been a bit a bit hit and miss, a bit crappy. To be honest, with you. So, you know, sometimes it gets the wrong words in. I mean, have you, do you use it internally? Have you seen some of the language changes? We use it? captions, but not translation. But again, I want to I want to hook back to the accessibility and inclusion. Captions are there to support non-native language speakers, the hard of hearing. But we also now have built in um, specific channels for sign language and for translators. So within meeting environments, you can have dedicated windows to people who are doing third-party translation. You can also use a translation capability. And with all things AI and ML, it's a continual learning cycle. Unlike a human, you know, we'll have a bad day and we won't learn as much as we will yesterday. AI and ML is continually learning, improving, and adjusting. We've seen the sketches from the 80s of people in a voice-operated um, lift with Scottish accents trying to get it to move to another floor. Very funny at its time, but we are well past that stage now. AI and ML is continually developing internal and learning. And I think, and again, this is not a Microsoft perspective, but if we look at the nuance acquisition from was it 18 months ago now, you know, they were the market leader, the industry standard. We've got to accept that that is being built into the core of our AI and ML. And I would highly expect our level of real language understanding and comprehension just going off the chart right now, to be perfectly honest, you know, we, we can already see, you look at uh, um, voice response systems from maybe even two years ago and where we are now, 
leaps and bounds ahead. If we look at the Teams call queue capability where you can create voice text, but also you can do voice responses, it's become front, it's become mainstream. It's not even high level system. It's built into Teams call queues as standard. We don't even charge extra for the license. You look at that and you think, well, it's definitely become mainstream. Now it's just going to get better and better and better and better. Yeah, and actually, like I said, breaks down barriers from a, a working perspective because people who've got who saw language as a previous barrier actually opens up the market to different skills, different resources. Um, so you know, if it is that good, then I think it's a massive game changer again. You know, mm. Albeit, I think everyone needs to accept that it, you know, the quality needs to get to a certain point before it gets there, and it sounds like it's getting there, which is great. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say we're definitely there on quality level. I did notice one other thing that I'm quite keen to explore. And again, I don't know how much you can share. So, so tell me off under NDA if I'm asking the wrong question. But Microsoft Places was in the Ignite Book of News, and it's it seems quite an interesting engagement of the hybrid work world. You know, in, in terms of your ability to, to schedule resources and understand how hybrid work can work in the context of your office environment. I mean, mm. can you just give us a little summary of what that is and how it works? Just out of interest. Teams Places is awesome. It's the number of questions I'm getting and I can't answer all of them yet because I don't have all the answers or it is an NDA, but the, the consistent question we heard from customers is what is the purpose of the office? If you sit back and ask yourself, you know, well, what is the purpose? And what's very clear that the last couple of years has meant that the, the role of the office has changed, you know, to make the office worth the, compute, the commute, employees need a damn good reason to be there. Then the, we call it the value equation, the worth it equation. And, because I said so, and I'm not going to quote anyone recently from the news, but because I said so wasn't enough. People go to the office because they want to talk to other people. They want each other. They want social interactions. And I did a, I did a study actually before Places was launched last year when we just started going back into that hybrid work and we had a team meeting. Half were in the office, half were out the office. And I went to the office and studied quite literally like a little bit of a creep how people interacted from my team who were in that office. And what was very clear is people didn't come to the office to have the meeting. They could have done that from anywhere in the world. People came to interact with other people outside of that meeting. So where I think places is going to deliver the most benefit is you understanding who's where, when, and how can I maximize my time in the office to get social contact, information, conversations, but just generally feel that I belong part of a larger organization, which is one of the issues we're addressing with you know, people sitting at home, I'm luck lucky. I have a room at home that's dedicated to an office. There are people who are having to use a kitchen table for eight hours of the day and then turn it into a kitchen table. You can imagine from a, a health and well-being perspective, that could be quite a strain because it's very difficult to take the step away from, am I sitting in my kitchen or am I sitting in my office? So giving people value when they come to the office, other than to just then put the headsets on and sit all day in Teams meetings, giving value to the reason for being in the offices, I think where places is going to make the massive, massive difference. I can't share anything because I don't really have anything, but it is definitely going to be a powerful tool in the arsenal of any employer to give the best value for their employees and when they, when and why they come to the office. Yeah, I got the impression it's very much a watch this space thing, but God, the, the market's crying out for it. The number of people who, it's been a really interesting process actually over the COVID times where it was, oh, panic, then it was, oh, thank God, I don't have to commute. And then it's like, oh, I actually can sort of do with going to the office a day a week. And, and I think now we're on a bit of an uptick about you know, getting back to the office, exactly as you say, but almost when it's worth it rather than by default. And all, all of the announcements that are made by certain members of the government about civil servants going back to the office, you know, a little bit naive in my view fundamentally people need to go there for a reason um yeah. if, 
if if you guys are bringing out a tool that helps justify that to an extent and articulate you know, when people are going to be where so they can maximize that benefit that's really good time have you got a sense of when it's coming out in full have you, have you got any idea no i haven't my view is q3 q4 fy i'd expect more but we also have to remember again just i wanted to touch on something you said there phil it's about the uh, i did a podcast recently funny enough it's about input versus impact if i work nine hours a day does it mean i've created valuable impact to the cost to the company i work for mm. well, it doesn't because yeah. uh, there's only specific roles where the hours you work equate directly to impact it's what you achieve and how efficiently you achieve it. And if we look at Microsoft Places, there's three bases. There's the coordinate, the modernize, and the optimize. The coordinate is to look at where work happens to achieve the right outcome. It's not about how long it took. The right outcomes are the key words in this. Modernize. Look at the physical spaces with intelligent technology. You know, how can we utilize a space to maybe be adaptive or to just deliver the most productivity to the people who are using that space? And then optimize. Have enough space, not too much. You, know, you, you mentioned the, the, the recent return to work that announcement from a couple of government bodies. But that's one of the reasons is because they have offices that are potentially empty and not being utilized. Now, shipping people back to the office is, is fine. It shows the use of the office, but is it the most optimal usage? So we have to look at that. And getting people to the office at the right place, you know, that's a coordination bit. And then modernize, putting the right equipment to allow people to make the best use of that space. This is where Microsoft Places will, I believe, make the biggest difference. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, like I say, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world, isn't it? We're all trying to get our head around it. Like I say, if that helps, that's got to be a good thing. Um, yeah. One other little thing, and again, I don't know if it's under NDA, so, so again, shout me down if, if a bad thing, but I'm, I'm digging now, so I'm off. Um, <laughs> Microsoft Loop, I'm hearing sort of interesting rumors about what it does and what it is. Can you just give us a little summary, if you're able to, of what that is and what yeah. it is? Um, I actually ran a demo on this recently. So so far as I'm concerned, this is in public preview. It may not be in all your tenants, but Loop is a dynamic component. Now, I'm just going to paint a story as visually as I can. If you imagine you click new email and then you say insert Loop content and you say, I'm going to insert an agenda concept where I said, right, I'm planning a meeting. There's five of us involved in planning this meeting. So in the email, I'm going to create a Loop content for that agenda. I'm going to put my first draft in that agenda. Now, in the old world, I would send that email out to five people who would all respond back with their different views of what this looks like. A loop component is a real-time dynamic component. So when I create that email, the moment I send it, anyone who opens that email, they don't need to reply to the email. They can start adjusting the loop component. And that loop component changes will be reflected in every other version of the email at the same time. But not only that, that loop component can be embedded within a Teams chat message, or you can share the URL and people can open it within a web page. Currently, as far as I've seen, it only works within a tenant environment, but it allows true dynamic working on components. And not only is data updated, you can see who's working where in a document. It is the most collaborative form of document sharing that I've ever seen. Now, I've seen Word documents, I've seen Excel, I've seen PowerPoints be worked on for a SharePoint. Works great, but Loop takes it to the next level because you embed it in an email, you embed it in a chat message, or you open it in a web page and you have real-time collaboration where everyone can see who's doing what. And just to give an example, I'm planning a large event at the beginning of December. I sent it out as a chat message in Teams. I then opened it in a web page, and I could see five different people immediately starting to update parts of the agenda that pertain to them that gave us very quickly and clearly a final concept. And this was without setting up a meeting. These people were doing other things, sitting in other sessions, meetings, reading emails, whatever. It was a a, a, a dynamic content that everyone could work on and see 
simultaneously, whether you're a spectator or an impact or somebody physically inputting, you could see how that agenda was fleshing up. Blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. We've been using it for a little while, but it was announced and it's now, as I say, I believe in public preview really does change how people can collaborate yeah that's really interesting because a lot of the sort of reply all dynamics of, of emails as people sort of discuss things is a complete nightmare and, and i think you know that should make things a lot more efficient um i suppose so th that's going to be something that you know when when in public preview etc you, you know that's going to be publicized somehow it's going to be hitting tenants yeah it's going to be hitting yeah. tenants you, you should start seeing the capability there's admin roles and there's, there's pre-level requirements uh, to have it in outlook but yeah that should start appearing the only caveat i know at the minute is not multi-tenant it works ideally within a single tenant yeah but that'll, that'll get fixed over time and it's so got to start yeah. somewhere so yeah. look tim i mean this has been really useful because like i said i didn't get to go to ignite unfortunately so um you know, from a team's perspective really interesting insight I think maybe we can do another one with our Oculus headset. So have you got an Oculus headset? No, no, not gone down that avenue yet. <laughs> maybe, you know, off the back of this podcast, Microsoft will fund you through your expenses on an Oculus headset. And the next one we can do is, is avatars using our VR goggles. That would be quite cool. That would um, be quite like, interesting. Like I said, I really, really appreciate your, your time. It's, it's been really educational. And, and from a, a broader podcast perspective, if you're listening to this on Spotify or any of the other podcast media, um, please do subscribe. You know, we're obviously doing these fairly regularly now. So if you've got any feedback on this one or, or anything you'd like to see in a future podcast, please drop us an email at csp.uk at tdcinex.com. Uh, they've got rid of the old tech data branding, which is uh, complicated for some of us who are stuck in that world. Uh, but fundamentally, csp.uk at tdcinex.com will get you through to the Microsoft Business Unit in, in TDCinex, and they will help you find some of the things we've referred to here or any other questions that you've got around Microsoft. But on that basis, like I say, Tim, really appreciate your time. Thanks ever so much. Really nice to speak to you and uh, hopefully see you in the virtual world sometime in the future. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to you all.